Hey friends, Billy Dean Shoemate the Third here, your host for Strange Places. This is the podcast where we look at the weird, the paranormal, the surreal, the unnatural, and we examine these cases uh, with some common sense. And I believe the pull of this podcast, the reason why it exists, is because I think that uh, common sense is sorely lacking in the study of the paranormal and supernatural these days. And very seldomly are these cases looked at with just some down-to-earth common intuition, common sense. Now, one of the most polarizing uh, episodes I think I've made so far, (laughs) as evident by the analytics, is the Elisa Lamb case. In particular, my conclusions to it. And um, I I do think personally, and, and, you know, the... uh, uh, comments were uh, across the board. I mean, they were everywhere. And I think as far as what I arrived at, my own personal final observations, right, of the Elisa Lamb case could have been explained a little bit better. And I could have uh, really, I, I could have gone a little deeper with it. Now, when I was initially looking at the Elisa Lamb case and I said, okay, this is an inside job. This is, uh, this has got to be somebody who worked at the hotel. This has to be, you know, uh, some kind of thing. And I, I was pretty confident in that. And, you know, the more I tried to make that evidence fit with that scenario that seemed pretty cut and dry to me, I just saw these holes popping up everywhere. And like I said, your initial intuition is usually the, I wouldn't say is always right, but I would say that leads you to the answer. That's the first thing that you should examine, whatever your first intuition was. And I said elevator game. Now, earlier in that episode, and I noticed this too, (laughs) I said I don't necessarily believe in stuff like that, but then that's the conclusion that I arrived at right? (laughs) I think I could dive a little bit deeper into my analysis of the Elisa Lamb case, if you'll indulge me. I, when I said I didn't believe in stuff like the elevator game, I thought I tackled these things, you know, like I said, with some common sense, right? And I don't necessarily believe in, you know, little supernatural games like this and stuff. Uh, Ouija boards, yeah, I, I I do believe in those. And I incorrectly lumped the Ouija board into, you know, in with these paranormal games that I don't necessarily buy or believe in. Ouija board, I definitely do. And uh, my mom, <clears throat> she played a Ouija board back in the day (laughs) with one of her, you know, uh, school friends. It was bizarre. And I know she was telling the truth when she said this. She wasn't bullshitting about this. Is that it kept telling her to stop. She would ask it questions and it would say, stop playing. It would spell that out. And then she would, you know, kind of keep trying, keep trying to ask questions and dismiss it, you know, and it would say, you better stop. Quit now. Stop now. And then I'm not kidding. She, you know, kept pressing on and pressing on. At this point, I would have been like, okay, screw it, game over. But uh, it's last thing that it said to her was final warning. This thing was giving her a chance to walk away. And I thought that was always really 
creepy story. And uh, that was corroborated by the person that she was with. So even if I thought that my mom was full of shit, I had somebody else to uh, to get that that narrative from. So Ouija boards, I definitely do believe, are the real deal. The dangerous thing about Ouija boards, though, <laughs> is that they open windows. They open doors. And what comes through is not up to you. I see it as just the the carnival doors opening, right? And it's a, you know, the thing that you're wanting to talk to is probably first in line. That's just how it goes. But it's kind of a shoving match as to who, what gets out and what stays out. I think Ouija boards are um, extremely dangerous and they're not to be screwed with. But my conclusions about the Elisa Lamb case when I said the elevator game, even though it's something I don't necessarily uh, believe in, it just comes from a place of common sense as well. I'm not going to screw with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even though I do, I, I'm not really convinced that the elevator game is a thing, I have no personal or you know third-party kind of proof there. I have nothing to convince me that the elevator game is legit, right? But I have common sense, too. I'm not going to play with that. So if, if it's real, I, I no, <laughs> I'm not going to play with that kind of stuff. That being said, does the elevator game contain some kind of ritual? I don't believe that it necessarily takes you to another dimension or another world or what have you. I'm not going to find out. <laughs> I'm not going to play with that. But I do think that certain things you do, certain things that you can, certain mindsets you put yourself in can allow certain things to be invited into your world, into your surroundings. I, I, I really, I really do believe that. If you're receptive to certain things and if you allow yourself to be receptive to certain things, I think that you invite shit in there. <laughs> Maybe that's what happened with uh, with Elisa Lamb. That's what I'm getting at. Maybe it's not the elevator game itself, but maybe her allowance of that ritual and her belief in it caused something. I think that the... You think of things like the multiverse theory and stuff like that. I mean, it's entirely plausible to me. It makes sense to me. Yes, I'm a I'm a Christian, but I don't believe that time is linear. We 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 just kind of perceive it that way, and reality is not exactly what we see. We don't even see all the wavelengths of light here. You know, our vision is very limited. We can't see everything that there is to see, right? And I don't think science disproves God. I just think. Um, we just learn some more of the rules, and we have to correct some of them as we go. Science is just a way to understand the coding that God has put in place behind the scenes. That's just how I see it. This this whole universe, this whole cosmos needs to self-sustain with as little intervention as possible, right? That's how I would do it anyway, and I'm not God, so you could you know multiply that common sense by a gazillion times. <laughs> It needs to be self-sufficient. It needs to run itself, you know. It needs to be efficient. And I think there's a lot of math 
And I use that word literally. I think there's a lot of math running behind the scenes. It's almost like a coding in a way. I don't believe we're all living in a simulation, <laughs> although that's a very compelling thing. Maybe in a way we kind of are. Uh, God is playing, you know, a giant game of the Sims and we're completely autonomous, right? Can you entirely argue that point? You know, maybe in some fashion we are living in a simulation. With all these things in mind, when I said that Elisa Lamb was kind of stuck in between this plane and somewhere else, I do think that's entirely plausible. There are many stories, a lot of them that we'll tackle here on Strange Places, that are so compelling when you're talking about people who are misplaced in location and and time. It it has happened. And I, I, I don't think time is linear at all. I think it all kind of exists at the same time. Time. I'm not going to go very deeply into that. We are going to talk about John Teeter. Uh, that's actually the episode I'm working on right now. Uh, the supposed time traveler John Teeter, or John Titer, who appeared on the internet in, I believe, what was it, the early 2000s, claiming to be a time traveler from wherever. But he had a really interesting take on traveling back through the, the past, was that he could never truly travel back to the past of his own timeline. His machine would only allow him to travel back to the past that is the closest to the one he came from. I thought that was really, really interesting. He, his machine would pick, okay, this one is 0.00001% different, right? And maybe that day it was so similar, but the only thing different was his mom was wearing a red shirt on Friday the 18th, 1987, you know, instead of a blue shirt. It, it's uh, the way I explain, and I'll get uh, this will make sense in a minute. The way I explain fate is this: the way I explain God's uh, how do I say this omnipotence as far as free will and how He knows what's going to happen. Your fate, your life is a tree. The trunk is, you know, when you were born, clean slate, right? Everything in your life boils down to a yes or a no. Period. Do I put sugar in my coffee or leave it black? Do I take the left turn at Albuquerque or do I not? Do I punch this guy in the face for calling me a dickwad or do I walk away? Even down to the completely mundane, should I butter my toast or not? Because, and this, these things are still important because you hear stories all the time about somebody forgetting their keys at home and missing a fatal car accident by minutes right? Or they're on the way to, this shit happens, or they're on their way to work because they're a little late because they spill coffee on their shirt, and an elevator cable snaps, and people are trapped in there for hours, right? The story's on, you know, 9-11, people getting stuck in cabs and stuff, and missing the bombing. Why? What mundane little thing led to that? And I think these little yes and no's are important, and there's no third way. There's no third way to go. Everything in your life life is a yes or a no. If you say, I'll do it later, that's a no right now. If you say maybe, maybe it's a no because you didn't do it, (laughs) right? You were indecisive. If you don't do something, that's a no. So everything in your life boils down to a yes or no. That is finite. That's countable. So that branches off. The yes and no, that goes to another series of branches. Make another decision, that's a yes or no. Granted, that's a pretty massive tree <laughs> because, you know, even our mundane choices like that. And some of the bigger branches are the bigger ones, right? Do I, uh, do I cheat on my wife or do I, 
try to work through my my marriage and work through the problems that we have? Should I beat my kid or talk to him? You know what I mean? Those are the bigger branches. Not belittling the mundane ones. Those are just as important because those, those could have some bearing on our very survival as we just discussed. But that's how I think God is able to use free will and still kind of and still know what's going on. And I think time kind of works the same way. Just because I ate a bagel 25 minutes ago, that's not entirely in the past. I think it does exist somewhere. And me trying to be as logical as possible and prove everything, you know, as possible. <clears throat> Taking a lot of things into account, the multiverse theory, how time works, it, it it's just easily explainable that way. I can explain everything <laughs> having to do with time using, you know, this multiverse theory. It really makes sense. And until we come up with something better or find out that that's not true, you know, I'll have to adjust <laughs> what the mechanism is, right? But for now, I think the multiverse theory explains a lot of shit. I think it explains ghosts. I think it does. Aside from, uh, uh, what do you call it, intelligent hauntings, 99.9% .9 of people who experience a paranormal event, say these ghosts are kind of going through the motions of what they went through in life. It's like watching a rerun. How do we know that that's not, that we're not catching a glimpse of their actual life somewhere in this time, in this multiverse? We're just catching a glimpse of them living their lives. What if they see apparitions of us? You know what I mean? You can go round and round with this all day. I do think it's plausible I don't think that time is linear. It's just that the results that are there so far are theories, right? We haven't proven this, but our theories, certain ones, multiverse theory being one, that really make sense to me and really sound like this is the logical thing. This is what's going on here. And until that changes and we correct ourselves, I'm going to stick with that. So with that being said... I think Elisa Lamb messed with something, either on purpose or accidental, that left her here and not here. I truly believe this. Based on my study and what I've seen of the tape and the evidence that's there, it's the only explanation that really, to me, explains everything. And I didn't want to be that guy that jumps into the paranormal, yeah, not debunked, because I want it to be real. A girl is dead. I don't want it to be real. I don't want it to be anything. I wish Elisa Lamb was still here getting the treatment that she needs and living her life. I don't wish death on anybody. So no, I, I, I don't wish that this was a real thing, that my theory was right. Somebody's dead here, man. That's, uh, you know, somebody innocent never hurt anybody. Maybe uh, caused some ruckus, you know, due to her behavior. She never hurt nobody. She didn't, you know, I don't wish that it was real. <clears throat> I, I'm, it's not one of those things where I want so bad for it to be the thing that I'm going to reach any conclusion. A girl is dead. But I came to that conclusion uh, because it just made the most sense to me. I really think Eliza Lamb screwed with something that put her here and not here. And as she was exploring the not here, 
I think that she walked into the space where that water tank is, right? The matrix kind of closes around her. The spell is broken, right? And she drowns in the water tank. If we examined the inside job theory, there's just too much stretching we have to do. A guy was tampering with the elevator. He obviously can't do that from the hallway, right? (laughs) He had to have some kind of accomplice there. So there's at least two people that got to be in on this, right? With access to the door, possibly even a third (laughs) to pull this off. I think we're just doing too much stretching. And although I I do apologize for the retraction, but I didn't want to edit that. I wanted to keep that in there because I want, you know, to hear the process of how common sense could explain this stuff. And it just wasn't fitting. I don't want to jump to the paranormal thing just because I want it to happen. I really do feel like something paranormal happened with Elisa Lamb. It's the only thing that locks it tight, right? But like I said, uh, strange places, uh, these are opinions at the end. Obviously, I cannot prove that Roswell really occurred. I'm not going to hand you a piece of the ship, right? I can't prove to you that Lincoln's bedroom is haunted, even though I believe these things. I can't prove, you know, any of this stuff. I can't prove that Bob Lazar is telling the truth. I can only present an opinion that comes from a place that took some real uh, study and real thought without any preconceived anything going where I want it to go. And this is the conclusion I drew about Elisa Lamb. I do think it was something paranormal. Do I believe in the elevator game? No, not really. But I'm not going to screw with that either. And I think a person's invitation even in their heart, in their mind, their belief can cause things to happen. Maybe it's not the Ouija board that causes these issues. Maybe we're awakening something in our psyche strong enough for some other entity to use that as a rung on a ladder to pull themselves here, right? Maybe. I, th- I do think that there is a factor like that at play with these with these paranormal games, just like the Ouija board. You're kind of creating a window. You're creating a door. So, yeah, that's, uh, how does that country song go? That's my story and I'm sticking to it. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) So, yeah, I wanted to make a little part two on the uh, Elisa Lam uh, analysis here. I think that, uh, I mean, I wasn't really 100% satisfied with my takeaway. I'm still sticking to it, but I think it could have been explained in a bit more detail. It's just running really, really short of time. Uh, So, yeah, uh, there it is. (laughs) Next one, I I have some ideas. I'm really working on the John Teeter thing. I think that one's going to be the next. That would be really cool. I was always fascinated by that story. Anyway, I'll catch you guys on the next episode of Strange Places. Make sure to go to Asylum817.com. That's Asylum817.com for all things podcast-related. It'll take you, uh, yeah, just go to the button at the top of the page of Strange Places. It'll take you right there. All the social media links are there, as well as the link to get to our Patreon account, which you can get early access to shows, bonus stuff, uh, giveaways, a certain tier, sign thing, a podcast just for the patrons. Who does that crap, right? (laughs) For as little as only $1 a month. Yeah, that's my lowest tier. And uh, yeah, check it out, okay? 
Shout out to the patrons, by the way. The Kunkel Homestead YouTube channel, Michelle, Donald, David, the Curtis Rose Show YouTube channel. You guys really keep this thing going. I appreciate it. I'll catch you guys on the next next nest episode. On the next episode. <laughs> Jeez. I either had too much coffee or not enough. On the next episode of Stranger Places. <laughs> All right. And remember what we always say on this show, right? Will we ever run out of strange places? I don't think so. Because every town has a strange place. And maybe one day, we'll visit yours.